0: Oh, okay, great. All right. Okay, hey, great to be with you. How are you tonight? Good. All right. So um, I talked to my wife today. Oh, by the way, it was amazing. I spent six and a half hours talking with Rodney today about God. So that was amazing. So I'm kind of surprised he was you know, lost for words there, because <laughs> I think he inspired like 20 messages I'm going to preach, so <clears throat> seriously, <clears throat> it was an amazing day, so uh, I got my son a cowboy hat, which is very cool, and cowboy boots, we got cowboy boots for him too, so I'll... yeah, we're going to take a picture and put it on the Evergrace webpage, no. <laughs> my son is six, I talked to my wife today, by the way. <laughs> I was telling Chad, it's probably not the best thing to do a marriage seminar without your wife, but um, sorry about that. Um, she's amazing. I talked with her this morning, and uh, so she's with me in spirit, and so so much behind, you know, me, and I'm so thankful for her. And uh, 23 years we've been doing this thing called marriage, so I just want to echo what my brother said. None of us have a perfect marriage, but thank God we're growing in our understanding of a perfect Christ, and uh, isn't that good? Yeah. And we have, uh, I read this statement uh, recently, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Isn't that a good statement? Yeah. So uh, we, we are just so much uh, uh, blessed by the privilege of loving our wives and our kids and our neighbors and so on. So, so let's just pray, and I just want to kind of recap a little bit of what I said tonight uh, last night. And, um, yeah, just blessed to be here. But, Father, thank you. Father, we just invite you uh, to just speak tonight to our hearts. And uh, that's what we want most of all, is that you would encourage us with your voice of truth and that you would uh, revive those places that need to be revived and give words of wisdom in those places of ignorance and uh, just plant seeds of, of hope in our hearts tonight as we look in your word and bless every family every person here and uh, just pour out a blessing today and we just thank you in Christ's name amen all right are you are you ready okay there's no clock in here that's dangerous okay what? Okay, 8.10. Oh, no clocks in Texas. I like Texas. All right. So uh, last night was a great night. Uh, We were talking about a bunch of different things, but one of the highlighted points that I want to kind of, you know, make the platform again and kind of jump into a new level was that 101% principle. And when I read this by uh, John Maxwell, it really changed my perspective on relationships. And this This is not only for marriages, this is friendships, this is uh, teammates, this is workmates, this is um, even our own self, how we relate to ourself. And that's taking uh, the 1%, let's say there's 1% It could be greater, uh, let's say 1% that's healthy and devote 100% of our attention to it. Now, isn't that awesome? Now think about that for a minute, like it's so easy to be the other way around. Try to change the 99%, right, or change the, 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 the things that are wrong. And before you know it, we're knee-deep in, in all kinds of stuff, and we get, we get kind of in the quagmire of the troubles or the things that we want to change in that person or what we want to change in ourself. Or, and uh, we were saying last night that oftentimes, a lot of times with anger, is that we see things in other people that we don't like about ourselves. Okay, I don't know about you, I've been there many times, and how that this principle changed my life because this is how God looks at you and I. He looks at us in himself, and that's a, that's a game changer, right? That it isn't, the, it isn't um, what we're trying to fix, but it's being loved by God, and God is uh, healing these areas, so think about that just in a practical way. Um, I don't know about you, I've been in many situations where um, we can be like the fix-it man, you know, and in a marriage that's not a good thing, to do. <laughs> it's not a great thing to do, right, because as men we like to fix things, you know, get the hammer and the screwdriver and the wrench, and for the woman that's, you know, that, that doesn't, she doesn't respond so well to that. I mean, I don't want to speak for the ladies, but I've learned this the hard way, that in trying to fix the lady, that's not necessarily what they want. They're more interested in you hearing them, loving them, and uh, assuring them, right? So we said last night about the importance of sowing, and I want to really kind of dig into that tonight a little bit, sowing. You know, and I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So in relationships, um, that first half of that word relationship is to relate. Isn't that interesting? like to relate. So, as Pastor Chris was saying, that your relationship with God affects every area of your life. Okay? Every area of our lives. How we relate to God is how we relate to ourselves. And how we relate to ourselves is how we're going to relate to people. Okay? So that's kind of an important point tonight, that how we relate to God if I grew up in a broken home, maybe my idea of authority is broken, maybe. Or maybe we had a, an overdomineering mother and, so, and a passive father, then that's going to translate in how I relate to God and to relate to people, okay? Or let's say we have had a healthy relationship where we've had a good example, okay? And so when we read Scripture, we have the uh, balanced understanding of who God is as our Heavenly Father, and we're able to relate to Him properly, okay? This is why in, in Baltimore, uh, I have the privilege of, of working with Pastor Schaller and many other great pastors in counseling and, uh, and just serving our church, and uh, it, I don't know about you, it's such an interesting age we're living in, isn't it? It really is. I mean, I, I don't know about you, I, it's, there's a lot of broken pieces or moving parts and, uh, and this is why we're not called to fix people, amen? <laughs> we're called to love people. Uh, I was on the plane coming down, and I was sitting next to an army chaplain, and uh, when she discovered I was a pastor, she said, you know, how do you do it? How do you, like, how come you're not stressed out and, uh, you know, pulling your hair out and all that? And I said, well, sometimes I do. <laughs> uh, but I said, you know, one thing I learned early on is that I'm not here to change people. I'm not here to fix people. I'm here to love people, and God does the changing. And she loved that. She was like, wow, that's so good, because how many times have we been in situations where people are trying to change us? Especially in you know, our spouse, right? Maybe different things that they're doing, or maybe someone that we're dating, we're trying to mold them into what we think we should get, Right? But it's a beautiful thing when we're being loved by God and we're letting God love us. And then we're able to relate to God in a, in a healthy way. Isn't that good? Relating to God like he is God and I am not. That's a healthy, that's a healthy place to, to be ordered, to have a, the right order. It's not, it's not this, hey, God, you follow me and listen up because we're going this way. And he'll wait to be gracious, and he'll be like, okay, you can do it your way, do your spinning, you can do your, your dancing and all that, and when you're tired and exhausted, let me you know, call me up, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm laughing because we've all been there, right? And maybe we're there today, right? But God says, follow me, follow after me, follow after me. It's like, it's like a lamb, you know? <clears throat> you ever seen these huge lambs, these sh- sheeps or sheep? No S. Sheep. It's my English language coming out here. If you try to move a sheep or a lamb by pushing him, guess what? They're not going to go anywhere, are they? They're like dig right in, right? Okay. You can like yell at it. You can like kick it. Not recommended. Push it. These things are, These things are hundreds of pounds. But if you move in front of it and just start walking, what's that lamb going to do? They're going to follow you. It's amazing try it sometime Uh, we used to do cow tipping in New Hampshire which is you know how cows sleep standing up that's a bad thing by the way you know because when you tip them over they really make a loud noise okay anyway that's not a good thing okay my brother showed me how to do that no okay (laughs) okay I'm not exaggerating I'm totally lying okay on that one now, so you, you come out in front of a lamb and you start walking. And that's the same thing in a relationship. And I want to show you an amazing couple of verses here in 1 Corinthians 9. But but notice this. Sowing, 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 sowing. If I don't like something or I want something to be different, or let's say we want to move in a certain direction, let's say we have a vision. Instead of trying to persuade or convince or drag Drag our spouse in a direction, okay, like the Neanderthal man, right? We can do that. It's not recommended, right? Instead, we sow. We sow the vision. We sow forgiveness. We sow patience. We sow life. We speak life. And you know what happens? Those seeds go in, like we were saying last night, those amazing seeds, the quality of that seed, it's so small, but the power in that seed has so much potential like we were to look at an acorn. You plant an acorn in the ground, it dies, and then before you know it, in a few short years, it's a huge mammoth of a tree, right? It's the same thing in our relationships. We're sowing. We're speaking. We're encouraging. And you know what happens? Something is growing. It might not change overnight, but you know what? We are being changed. And instead of asking my spouse to change, asking my roommate to change, asking my teammate to change, or uh, we, are, we are the example of change. Isn't that good? I don't want to sound like Barack Obama here, but <laughs> we bring the change. We are, because of Christ. Amen? He is changing us, okay? So the platform is this, is that there's that 1%, or hopefully it's, it's greater than that, but there's that one area of healthiness, and we're fanning it, we're bringing attention to it, and we're feeding it, and before you know it, uh, we are seeing great growth, okay, by the grace of God. So, are you with me so far? Is this good? All right, great. Amen? Okay. I'm a little Pentecostal. I like a little bit of noise. I'll try to behave myself up here, okay. All right, 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, Notice this. This There's an interesting verse here. So when you think about sowing... Uh, in Ecclesiastes, it says, sow in the morning, sow in the afternoon, sow in the evening, right? Ecclesiastes eleven four through 6. Keep sowing. Yeah. Like, when it looks bleak, keep sowing by faith. When things are not good, God is sowing into our life, and we're sowing into our spouse's life. When things are good, keep sowing keep sowing. And how is it that we can keep sowing? It's because the Holy Spirit is sowing in our life. Cuz here it is. Here's the Valentine line. You ready? Here's the Valentine line. Okay? We love to the measure that we have been loved. Okay? We can love somebody to the measure that we have been loved by God. So what does that mean? Okay, I want to show you what that means, okay? So, sowing. We sow love. We sow forgiveness. We sow encouragement. We sow vision. We sow life. And we're doing that through words. We're doing that through prayer. Like a praying spouse is one of the most powerful things on the planet. Like when my wife says that she prays for me, I can feel that because we know that uh, our wife, it's not 50-50, by the way. Our spouse is not 50-50. It's 100% and 100%, right? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. All right, look at this in verse 5. This is an, I've never seen this before, but I like it. First uh, Corinthians 9, 5. So we love to the measure that we've been loved. And this is kind of like, I'm kind of deliberating on this platform, because I, before I jump into this, that's an important point. Because God is saying, my mission in marriage or my mission in a relationship or my mission in planting a church is that I would love you deeply. Because you know what? We can't love people to the measure unless we have been loved by God. Because I don't know about you. I don't have it to give it unless I receive it. So I love my brother. My brother uh, loves sweats, and and tears, and all of the above, because he not only uh, cares, but he loves, right? And that's why he's a pursuing pastor. I love that. I'm going to remember that. Jeff gave him that title. All right. Have we not power to lead about our sister? A wife. It's an interesting question. Have we not power to lead... Our wife, do you see that? Our sister, as well as other apostles and other brethren in the Lord, in Cephas. It's an interesting question because he says, Do you not have the power to lead your wife or your sister? Now, I've never seen a verse like that before because in a relationship, hopefully, there's only one leader, okay? Just like in the kitchen, hopefully, there's one cook, right? Because if there's too many cooks, you spoil the meal, right? And he goes on to say, how, does, how do we lead our wife? It doesn't say, how do we drag our wife? It doesn't say, how do we manipulate? It says, how do we lead? And I really believe it's, it's, it's answered here in the coming verses. So he goes on to say in verse 7, Who goeth to warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth the vineyard? and eats not the fruit thereof, or feedeth the flock, and eat not of the milk of the flock. He goes on to say uh, in these coming verses, he goes in verse 10, Or saith it altogether for our sakes, for our sakes no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth, thresheth in hope, and he that is a partaker partakes of his hope. If we've not sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing that we should reap unto you carnal things? Okay, look at verse 13. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers of the altar? Very interesting. I don't know, this strikes me, because he he keeps going on, he keeps going on, and then in these, these amazing verses, 17 through 22, are maybe more familiar verses to us. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if I do it against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? When I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more. You see the context of this chapter? It's incredible. He's talking about leadership. He's talking about leading people. He's talking about being a servant leader. He's talking about sowing. He's talking about not expecting the answer. He's talking about initiating the answer. Do you see this? It's very interesting. And this is why verse 10 is so incredible, and I want to unpack that in a minute. Let's go back here in verse 20. Unto the Jew I became the Jew that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. Whew, that's a mouth, That's a mouthful. To the weak I became the weak that I might gain the weak. Imagine that in a relationship, being the victim so that my spouse can be the victor. That's powerful. What does that even mean? Laying down our life so that we can be the example of the love of God rather than demanding love from the person I'm looking at. That's a powerful thing. I became weak. I became a doormat. And that's not a popular, that's not a popular understanding, but Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that he that layeth down his life for his friends. And by the way, just to encourage us tonight, we have no idea how to lay down our life. I don't know about you, I don't. I might think I know how to lay down my life, but it's very its very different maybe than what God is saying. It means that literally I'm putting that person first and being weak, okay? It's amazing. Uh, so let's look back at verse 10. Are you still with me? How can we lead... Are wives. How can we lead our teams? Maybe we're a professional person here. How do we lead our kids? Uh, I have a six-year-old, and I'll be honest, he teaches me more about God than uh, most things going on in my life these days. Uh, aren't kids great? How many people have kids here? Anybody? Okay. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. okay. <laughs> the gasp in the front row here. <laughs> I mean, my kid, he, he is... Uh, he surprises me. I mean, it's incredible. Um, and he's really spiritually uh, keen. It's really powerful. But um, I want to segue in a minute here, but what does it mean to plow in hope? Okay? Sow in hope. We said last night that hope is an expectation that God will work. Do you have hope tonight? Is your, is your hope in yourself? Is your hope in your spouse? Is your hope in uh, your performance or my performance? Is my hope in my intellect? I would dare say that's the dangerous place to put our hope. But he is saying here, uh, let's turn over to Psalm 62. Put your hope in the Lord, and he will bring it to pass. So... <clears throat> I was thinking today about this powerful word, expectations. Expectations are like a loaded gun. If my hope is in myself, I may be disappointed, most likely, actually. And to be disappointed means I put my hope in the wrong place. If my hope is in my spouse, no matter how awesome they are, they are fallible and they will fail you. And that's a good thing to kind of say is that, you know, dating, you know, in dating somebody, you know, we might think, oh, they will, they're going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? I remember dating my wife many moons ago and, and uh, we were kind of like blinds. We're like, wow, she's incredible, you know, he's incredible, you know. And I uh, kind of ignore the, the, uh, the, the things that are kind of quirky, you know. Have you ever noticed when you get married, those little quirky things become pretty obvious things, right? Everything before marriage magnifies after marriage. So I'm a huge proponent for marriage uh, premarital counseling. Um, That's a great way to prepare your hearts. And uh, not that you can be totally prepared, but your heart can be prepared, amen? It's great. And having a good spiritual community like this, it's so good. It's so good because we're all a work in process. We really are. It's incredible. Okay. Look at Psalm 62 for a minute. Um, so I want us to kind of remember this thought. I can love based on how much I've been loved. Okay? Okay. You know, how can we love our spouse? Well, it's a decision, isn't it? It's not only gonna, it's not always gonna be. Chocolates and flowers and good times. There'll be challenging times, and that's what makes it all worth it. It really does. But Psalm sixty-two five, this is a this is a great this is a great point here. Instead of having a horizontal expectation, we have a vertical expectation. Okay. So when we have a problem, uh, I I had somebody on my team. We were talking about this situation, and they're like, "What are you going to do about it? How are you going to?" How are you going to make it through this situation? And I remembered a quote from a, uh, a man of God. And he says, instead of uh, trying to figure out on your own, you say, okay, God, it's not what am, I, what am I going to do about it. It's what are you going to do about it? Right? We go vertical. We go vertical. And we tell our storms. We don't tell, we don't tell God how big our storms are. We tell our storm how big our God is. Glory. Right? That's a huge paradigm shift, right? I don't tell God how much I, I need him or how much I have these troubles. And God, it has always a listening ear. And by the way, 1 John five fifteen, he loves to hear from you and he hears from you. Uh, but I want to tell my storm how great my God is. So when we have expectations, David is saying this beautiful verse. And this really is our saving grace, because instead of putting pressure on, and manipulating, we, we have our expectation go vertical. It says, my soul waits only on God, for my expectation is from him. Now, those are some powerful words, aren't they? Yeah. What does that even mean? Instead of, instead of looking to have another sinner fulfill or complete our need, which is sounds great in the, in the movies, but it's not... It's not accurate, but we say, God, okay, you fulfill me, you feed me, you speak to me, you encourage me, and the overflow will go to my spouse or go to my team or go to my kids or go to my friendships, right? But if I'm looking this way, there's a lot of collateral damage that happens, right? Misunderstandings, reactions, Um, maybe nothing happens, right? (laughs) <laughs> the more we put pressure, maybe the, 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 the least of things will happen. So I want to kind of have us think about something interesting. Uh, are you with me so far? You still with me? Yeah. You're doing great. You're doing great. I know it's been a long day, uh, but you're doing awesome. All right. My expectation is in him. Now, this shifts the responsibility to the Lord so now i have a secure relationship rather than basing my security on my spouse because we know as time goes on that people change and situations change and we change and if it's based on our own self if my salvation was based on me that would be pretty scary wouldn't it imagine if your salvation was based on yourself i had a great conversation with colton today it's like when we are faithless, God remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So we see that the whole onus of our faith is God. So this is why grace is so amazing. is because literally our expectation is on what has been done for us. So getting back to this point, we love to the measure that we're loved. I was thinking about orphans and uh I have amazing memories with my brother in Odessa, Ukraine, where we used to live many, many moons ago. And I was thinking about, um, gosh, I think there's like 100,000 street kids in Odessa, Ukraine. And that's in the southern part of the Ukraine on the Black Sea. And I remember um, there was uh, this group of kids one night. I was out late with some guys. And uh, there's all these kids that came up to us and they had been sniffing glue. And uh, I don't know if you know anything about that. It's like super addictive and super damaging. And these young kids, they had to be between the ages of like 9 and 11. They were like young kids. uh, Just thrown or forgotten about from their parents. And um, I remember talking with them, kind of like wondering, like, my gosh, who's taking care of these kids, you know? And now as a father, it hits me very deeply that when you see a kid in need, um, you know, you want to do everything you can. And um, so I was thinking about orphans. And uh, now, could we say we could be spiritual orphans? Now, what do I mean by that? <laughs> spiritual orphans or orphans in general, they don't know maybe who their parents are. Or they don't have a good relationship with their parent. Uh, maybe they've been rejected. They've been somehow detached from their family. okay, And I'm sure uh kirsten and her husband could tell us a lot with their ministry and many of you obviously my brother and gosha they have an amazing child caleb which has been a gift from heaven uh they really are he's a he's uh he's a force (laughs) he's amazing but i want to think about this when 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 we detach ourselves from the love of god when we detach ourselves from being loved by god when we detach ourselves from expecting from this love and expect others to love us, we become spiritual orphans. Now, why is, that in, why is that interesting? Because we were made to be loved by God. That's why when we're dating, we know we're ready for a relationship when we don't need a relationship. That's a great indicator that you're ready for a relationship. You might say, gosh, I really want a relationship. I'm like, that's awesome. God will give it to you as you seek him first, right? But a good indicator that you're healthy and secure and loved by God is when you say, hey, I don't even need it. God, if you want to bless me with it, go for it. I'm ready, right? At least we think we are, right? (laughs) I remember praying. I mean, our pastor was like having these amazing revival meetings. This is way back in the day. We were married in 1997, So, uh, that's a good, good, a good bunch of years. And he'd be so, you know, so passionate about the, the uh, rapture. And I remember praying, I'm like, God, don't come back. I want to be married. You know, (laughs) ever prayed that prayer? Anybody? Like Jesus. Okay. And, uh, we have some funny stories, how my wife came into being into my life. And I never thought she'd be my wife until one day the Lord opened my eyes and, That was an amazing uh, revelation, (laughs) and it still is. (laughs) That was a joke. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. Where are we? Okay. So so we are being loved by God, and we're we're being uh, filled. The voids in our hearts are filling our—we're being filled up. So when a person is introduced to our life, we're not expecting them to fulfill our needs. Okay? Otherwise, you know, they certainly compliment and bless us. But our expectation is of God. And there's a lot of hope there. There's a lot of hope. So going back to this orphan principle, it's like when we're detached from our identity of love, things can get really, we begin to love things that don't love us back. You ever done that before? Like we begin to, I mean, we love our coffee. We love our boots. Man, Rodney and I looked at boots today. Got to say, I was lusting after—well, not lusting. That's not the word. I was, anyway. I was really liking the boots I was looking at. <laughs> anyway, we begin to. Spirit, uh, of Texas. Spirit of Texas, yeah. I look terrible in a Texas hat. I guess there's some yellow hat or some picture of me in a yellow hat going around. Please delete that picture. <laughs> Rodney. I mean, <laughs> we're not going to uncover who did that. Rod, Rodney. Yeah. <laughs> um, we begin to look at things to love us back. We begin to love things that don't love us back. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Our possessions become way too important to us. And people and the things of God and the, the body of Christ that are designed to love us back, we put a low attention to. Why? Because we are, our possessions begin to possess us. You see? So when God is loving us, when God is pouring into us life, God is pouring into us vision, God is pouring into us significance, and he's pouring into us hope, you know what happens? We begin to love things that are designed to love us back. So our house becomes a, house, a, a place where we glorify God and it's laid down for the, for the will of God. Our car, maybe. Our means, right? I, I loved uh, Colton's prayer today over that. What was that sports car? Oh, it was a Mustang. You're like a... Okay. Is it okay to say it? Call him out, Pastor. Okay. He's like, Lord, give this to me. I'll, I'll use it for ministry, okay? Okay. There's a nice car, okay <laughs> but isn't that good? like when we love things that are designed to love us back, there's an exchange there's a there's a uh, a beautiful relationship, comparatively loving things that don't love us back and it makes us more empty. I need more things, I need more power, I need more fame, I need more fr- uh, friends that. Like yes men and so on and so forth. Well, let's close Romans chapter ten. How are you doing so far? Are we what are we saying tonight? What are we saying? Are we saying something good tonight? How are we doing on time? I'm just getting going. Wow, it's already been thirty minutes. Wow. Okay, you okay for ten more minutes? Five more minutes? Ten? Fifteen? Ten? Ten? two okay all right romans chapter 10 this is an amazing this is an amazing verse romans chapter 10 verse 3 think about it the god of love uh he has preemptive love he is loving us before there was a need for us to be loved isn't that good you and i cannot mess up the love of god no matter what we do or don't do he is pouring out his love Now, imagine that in a relationship. Let's say there's problems, okay? Let's say there's problems in the relationship. What do we do? We, our expectations is in the Lord. We say, God, fill me with affection. Fill me with hope. Fill me with words. Help me to identify that 1%. Help me to find the health. Because I want to, I'm so easily gravitating to the thing that's wrong. It's very easy to be constructively criti- uh, to have constructive criticism. It's easy to be pessimistic, or it's easy to be instructive, right? But instead, love wins. Right? Love wins. Grace changes everything. I keep saying that. I love that. Right? Because love is messy. Love is messy. I remember, I, I, love a, I love a neat home. I love a neat home, right? Bless you. Come out of it. Uh, and I remember my son, he would throw his toys all around the house. It's like, you come home and it's like a landmine, you know? It's like, And I love a clean, neat home. And if you look at my desk, it's got to have its own things in order because, I don't know, I'm kind of OCD that way. I got to (laughs) know, I got to have it right, right? Uh, It runs in the family. It does. So when I come home and my son has thrown everything everywhere, I say, wow, love is is messy. I love this kid, Um, especially when he throws food. He used to throw food, which was not cool, but anyway, love is messy. And uh, so look at Romans 10.3. So how is it how is it that we can not have an orphan spirit in our, in, our, in our relationships? How is it that my expectations can be healthy rather than misguided? A misguided expectation is I'm looking for something in someone they don't have. I'm looking for something in somebody that they don't have. I want them to have it. I demand that they have it. I need that they have it. And guess what? They don't have it. What am I going to do? Am I going to apply pressure? And then it gets worse. But instead, we go vertical. We say, okay, God, you love me. Okay, God, you speak to me. Okay, God, you uh, breathe on this dry bones. And you know what? He does. And then our relationships shift to, from what I think should happen, from my control, to being spirit-led. I begin to lead my wife in the direction of God. Not drag her or him, for that matter, but we are investing and loving. And in the bad times and in the good times in sickness or in health, uh, we are being loved by God. Isn't that a great way to live? It's a great way to live. It's a great way to live. (laughs) I'm thinking of a few jokes here, but Let's look at Romans ten three. 3. Uh, by the way, it's good to laugh in a relationship, isn't it? Yeah. Laugh at yourself or with your spouse, but I laugh a lot at myself. That's healthy. By the way, don't take yourself too seriously. Amen? Amen? Get a lot of... How about this side of the room, amen? Okay, good. Thank you, Rodney. That's good. All right. Hey, I'm excited about this. Do you like talking about relationships? It's crazy good. It's like love is messy. But don't we discover God? It's like, oh, Lord, is there such a thing as a per? By the way, if someone says they have a perfect relationship, they're lying to you. I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you. Right? And that might sound odd to hear that, but we're all works in progress. We are, we're imperfect people surrounding a perfect God. And we're constantly sowing. By the way, if I'm not sowing, the devil's sowing. If I'm not sowing, the TV is sowing. If I'm not sowing, then my demonic neighbor might be be sowing, right? So I want to be proactive and say, hey, you know what? Grace says give what's not deserved, and mercy says I'll take away what is deserved. So... When your spouse is maybe breathing fire or has horns come out, maybe when you have horns come out of your head, right? You ever have that happen? <laughs> no, never, okay? <laughs> what do we do? We're just like, okay, God, I need extra grace today. I need you to love me, and I will uh, reflect that to my spouse. And this is what Romans 10.3 says. Uh, don't you love this verse? This is how we can... Uh, Avoid an orphan spirit. We can stay attached to the love of God. We can stay connected to our heritage. And it says this, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Okay, there it is. When we lose sight of our image, who we are in Christ, the moment we lose sight of that, and other things try to try to prop us up, what happens? They become ignorant of God's righteousness. They begin to establish their own righteousness because they've not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. So isn't that a good verse? So what do we do? Instead of trying to fix ourselves or, or fix another person or try to figure it out, we just submit to the righteousness of God. We say, okay, God, tell me again who I am. Tell me again who you are. Lord, tell me again. Tell me again. And you know what happens? We begin to be renewed in our minds, and we become encouraged. And the outward circumstances do not have to uh, dictate our inner peace. The outward circumstances, what's happening, what's not happening. Uh, because marriages today and relationships today, the devil fights anything with, with unity, right? Yeah. But when a believer knows who they are in Christ... There's security, right? They have security. So no matter what's happening externally, we have internal security. And you know what? We begin to plow in hope. We begin to thresh in hope. We begin to sow in hope. Because think about the love of God. The love of God is not dependent on my response. Think about that for a minute. The love of God is not dependent on my response. What that means is God is not holding back his love or intensifying or decreasing his love based on how I respond. That's amazing. But in relationships, we do that. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. Uh, This happens if this, this XYZ happens. No, no. God is saying, I am loving you with the intensity of perfection. I am loving you Intensely, because of my righteousness. And this changes the way we do life, isn't it? How do you do life? Well, we do it in his righteousness. We are standing in righteousness, we are defined by his righteousness, and we are declared righteous. Isn't that incredible? (laughs) You ever wake up in the morning, honey, you're righteous. My wife says, your breath is righteous. no. (laughs) By the way, mouthwash is a beautiful thing. Okay, so, amen? amen? I know I talked a lot tonight, but Father, thank you tonight for these thoughts. And uh, we just give you the praise. And uh, we want to stay connected in a fresh revelation of who you are. And help bless our relationships, our friendships, our marriages. And uh, just pour out your spirit, we ask, in a fresh way. In Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, okay, great. Thank you very much. That was-